0: Chapter 3 of Ebenezer's Casket by John Ulrich Giese and Junius B. Smith This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Ben Tucker. Chapter 3 As for Ebenezer, he knew exactly what he wanted to do next. He posted the addressed envelope first. He watched it slide into the box after he had affixed a special delivery stamp, with a mental query as to just what Claire Markley would think when the deed was received but it was only after it was mailed that he found himself wondering whether she were Claire Markley yet or not, in view of the fact that he had heard nothing from her in a little more than two years. She might have married. Ebenezer paused in the act of turning away from the box, and then he caught sight of a town clock that showed him the futility of such considerations. What did it matter if she were married or not to a man in his position? He set his lips and started off along the street. After several turnings, he came to what had been a residence once from its appearance, but was now converted to a very different usage as indicated by the foot-high lettering over the doors at the top of a flight of grey stone steps. Lynn undertaking parlors and mortuary chapel. Ebenezer turned from the pavement, mounted the steps to the door beneath the sign, and went in. He stood in an entrance hall to what had once been a parlor indeed, and was now employed as the chapel on one hand, in a smaller room, palpably used as an office, on the other. After a moment of hesitation, he turned toward the last. Good afternoon, said an impersonally sympathetic masculine voice. Ebenezer regarded a small, almost colorless man who sat in a swivel chair in front of a roll-top desk. Afternoon, he returned. You're the manager, I guess? I'm Mr. Lynn, said the other, and rubbed his bloodless palms together. "'What can I do for you, Mr...?' "'Clay,' said Ebenezer. "'If you're Lynn, why, all right. "'I come in to make arrangements with you to bury me, and pay the bill. "'You can get the body any time after 1101 tonight. "'I'll explain that you're to have it, and... "'White!' the man in the swivel chair gasped. "'He stared. He gaped. "'He seemed completely upset by the words of his prospective corpse. "'Won't you sit down while we go into the matter more fully?' "'Ebenezer complied.' and drew a long, deep breath. This arranging for one's own demise was a lot more troublesome than he had suspected it would be before he tried it. People didn't seem to be able to associate him with the idea of death. There isn't anything to go into, he remarked, except that I've picked on your firm to do the job. I've already bought a casket, and it'll be delivered to you sometime tomorrow morning. It's a gray velour box lined with white satin, sidebar type of handles from the Armistead Casket Company shop's I'll pack a suitcase with what I'm going to wear, and you get it when you go to the body. Now, what say? Had I better be embalmed? To judge by his manner and expression, Lynn didn't know what to say, even though the question was one to which he was accustomed to reply. For several seconds, he sat regarding Ebenezer with a baffled contemplation, which altered at last to awakening suspicion. Presently, he stiffened slightly. What is this? he inquired. A joke. Joke, said Ebenezer in a tone of irritation and paused. He thrust a hand into his pocket and produced his roll of bills. Well, if it is, it's on me. Now let's talk business. Do you want the job? If you don't, I've got to find somebody what does and telephone Armistead is in that casket. Wait, Undertaker Lynde interposed for the second time. If you're really serious about this, I can understand why my question should have made you feel annoyed. But... Really, I cannot recall another instance where a man came in to arrange the details of his interment in advance of the, er, event. Maybe, Ebenezer sighed in almost wary fashion. Even an undertaker, it would seem, could be disturbed by talking to a man about death before that man had died. And yet, all men died as a matter of course, and he had known he was going to die for something over a month, and that was it. All at once he saw it. He had grown accustomed to the thought. And these others were startled by his mention of it, even as he had been startled and shocked at first. That was the explanation. I see, he went on. But why shouldn't he, if he ain't got no folks and knows what's going to happen? And how much for the funeral and the cemetery lot, with me furnishing the casket and clothes? The query was businesslike enough in all conscience, but Lynn didn't seem to be able to get down to business even so. Indeed, he seemed uncomfortable in the extreme. But, my dear man, he said, and his voice was husky. How can you know? You've named the time, exactly? Surely you can't mean... That I'm going to kill myself? Ebenezer interrupted almost roughly at this third hint of self-destruction. No, I don't. I just know what's going to happen. And I admit that when I first got wise, it hit me a pretty hard jolt. But I got sort of used to it after a time, because there wasn't nothing to do about it. Lynn nodded. Just so. He added rather faintly. You mean you're resigned? I threw up my job, said Ebenezer, and come down here to fix things up with you, and if you'll look at the clock, you'll see I ain't got so awful much time. Now, name your price and I'll pay it. And go tend to a few other things, and then I'm going over to the hospital." Hospital? Mr. Lynn repeated quickly. You mean you're going to... to... He appeared to trip over the end of his question. I'm going to die there one minute after eleven o'clock tonight, said Ebenezer in an actually brittle fashion. They'll tell you when I'm ready. Now let's get this here settled. It's a matter of life and death, and I can go to bed a lot easier in my mind if I know what's going to happen to my remains. There ought to be a prayer and maybe some singing. And there's the rent of the hearse. Mr. Lynde caught a breath that was positively unsteady. "'And flowers?' he suggested. Ebenezer nodded. "'Sure, money ain't no good to me now. I might as well spend it. You get some posies, of course. Now set your figure and I'll pay it and get out. I gotta go to my room and pack my grip.' "'Why—' Mr. Lynn wet his lips with his tongue. He rubbed his hands together. He looked at Ebenezer and cast his eyes about the room.' Never in all his life had he encountered such a situation. Mortician he might be, but he had never had financial dealings with a subject, while yet it was full of intelligent breath. Presently, he turned to his desk in something like desperation. Caught up a scratch pad and began jotting down certain figures upon it while Ebenezer watched. What lay back of the transaction he didn't know, but clearly it wasn't a joke as he had at first suspected, Or, if it was, it was a joke of a most peculiar sort. Even if it was, his caller ready to pay for it in cash. And one of his mottos of life was, never let a dollar escape once he had it in his grasp. As yet, he didn't have it, but apparently he would. $300, he gave an estimate at last. His peculiar patron had said money was no object to him any longer, and he felt he might as well get all he could. Ebenezer accepted by another nod. He began stripping currency notes from his roll. Lynn watched him. The thing was past all precedents, but it was happening before his eyes. This man was going to pay him for a funeral in advance, and he was going to have a casket delivered at his door. The thing was crazy. Crazy! Of course, that explained the whole thing. The man was mildly unbalanced. He was a bug. He eyed the motion of Ebenezer's lips, keeping time with the fingers and computing the amount, and suddenly he recalled his former remark. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> Unless, he said, you wish to be embalmed. Ebenezer paused in his counting. He lifted his eyes. Do you think I ought to be or not? It's a matter of personal choice, said Mr. Lynde, still eyeing the bills in Ebenezer's hand. If it was my funeral, I would. How much? said Ebenezer. Fifty dollars, said Lin, and caught his breath as his caller resumed his counting. "'added two twenties and a ten to the sum already named, "'and laid the total on the corner of the desk. "'Lynn took it up and verified the count "'and put it in a folder he drew from an inside pocket. "'With the act, his spirit appeared to lighten. "'He buttoned his coat across his narrow chest and smiled. "'Quite correct, Mr. Clay, thank you,' he declared "'and once more rubbed his palms together. "'We'll give you a very nice funeral. "'I assure you, a very nice funeral indeed.' "'Well, you ought to,' Ebenezer picked up his hat and rose. "'With me furnishing everything but the work, you're hitting it stiff. But I reckon you might as well have it as anyone else. "'I'll expect you to do things up in pretty good shape.' "'Lynn rose also. "'I assure you that everything will be done in a fashion that, could you see it, would satisfy you yourself.' "'All right, that's all I'm asking,' said Ebenezer. "'Well, you'll see me later.' That is, you'll see my remains. Good afternoon. He put on his hat and walked out. And as he went down the grey stone steps, he was conscious of a feeling of relief at having got so much of his final arrangements off his hands. He walked to the corner and waited for a car that would take him within a block of his room. End of chapter 3